the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Merry Christmas Eve. You are probably thinking, Chris, why are you on here recording on Christmas Eve? Well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm actually doing this a, a week prior. I'm getting everything set up and ready. I pre-record it, and then I uh, upload this portion, the video portion, to our YouTube channel, and I'm going to set it to publish on Monday. And then the uh, radio program is going to still go out on Tuesday at 4 p.m., but I am pre-recording this. I'm spending time with my family, Lord willing. But it is Christmas Eve, and I hope everything's going well for all of you out there, that you have family over, or maybe you're out with family. If not, Christ is with you, I Lord willing, your heart, and you're thinking of him this holiday season. And uh, just a little excursus before we get to chapter 6 of our study today in the book of Acts, Christmas. Should Christians celebrate Christmas? We're just going to do a little excursus here, because I know people always wonder about this. Well, maybe not always, maybe not everybody, but some do. I know some people do not celebrate Christmas. They think that we should not be putting one day above another, and that is true. We should not be putting one day above another. We should see all days as being the same, but we also, it is okay for us to have memorials, you know, things that help us, re- that remind us of things. We, we know Purim was something set, set up by the Jews and not by God, but God allowed it so that they remember what happened when God, working providentially with Mordecai and Esther, saved the Jews from destruction. And as moral, uh, uh, memorials like that are good things. That's how I see Christmas. I am first thankful people are at least thinking about the Christ. Was he born this day? He was not. Uh, We're pretty certain, almost absolute, in our understanding of when the Christ was born. It was not in December. It was not. But it's okay to have a memorial, a day where we can think about uh, the birth of Christ. And I let my kids know this is not the time he was born, but it is good to think about it. I do not preach sermons about this from the pulpit to my congregation. We don't sing Christmas songs during this time of year. Uh, in my mind, eh, it would be all right, but let's just stay away from it. The rest of the year, we'll do it, but just to, you know, for the sake of all, let's just keep it out. And then that's what we strive to do. But there is nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas. Just keep it in its context. Recognize it's not a better day than all the other days. You're not more holy this day, and you're not holier for going to a worship service on the Sunday of the week of Christmas more than any others. If you do go, and you go on Christmas and during the times of Easter and only those two days, at least you're going, but you ought to go every Sunday. Every Sunday. Going those two days is not thinking, it's not giving you 10 points over one point. 
you get the same amount of points, if any at all. You really don't get any points at all. Uh, just need to go. You need to have an obedient faith. Okay, I'm getting way off there. All right, uh, Acts chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. We're going to title this. you got the choosing of the seven there in the New American Standard Bible. This is also, you could call this the unity of the church threatened from within. And this is why the seven are chosen. So Satan had been trying to destroy the church by attacking some of the apostles, Peter and John. There in the very beginning, that didn't work. So he tried to disrupt the church from inside with Ananias and Sapphira, you know, and creating issues there. That didn't work. So he went after the apostles again. Boy, that didn't work. It kept growing. Now he's back to trying to divide the church here with the uh, Greek uh, the, the Hellenistic Jews and the Jews. So let's start by reading our passage. Let's see if I can get that to come up here. All right, you got here are the, the, the Bible passage. Again, uh, I'm doing this with the radio program and the online video. So if you're online watching the video, you can see the text of the radio program. You won't see it, but I'll read it for you. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing uh, in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So um, now at this time, what, what does that mean? How much time has passed? There's speculation. You'll pull up uh, the different commentaries. They all have, they're all over the place. We don't know. And, I, I, and it's not, not worry. I don't think we should worry about what time uh, level we're at at this point. But what we do know is that the church is still striving to take care of its own. In this case, especially the widows. In that day and age, if you're a widow, you've lost your breadwinner, you're in hardship. You're in a hardship. It's going to be difficult for you. And so widows generally moved to the Jerusalem area hoping and looking for the, uh, their needs to be met. So they're, they're there, but apparently we have two groups of widows. We've got the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jews. There's a, a complaint arose on their part, the Hellenistic part. So what, what's the difference? Well, the, the difference here, and they, they, again, there's different ideas, but I believe this is correct. Uh, the Hellenistic Jews are those who were part of the diaspora. Remember when Alexander the Great took over both the, most of the known world and made Greek the common language? So these, for these uh, Hellenistic Jews, they're more Greek, uh, uh, what do you call it, not Greek, it's uh, Hellenized, I guess you could say. They, they've taken on the culture of the Greeks. They live out there in the Greek uh, cities. They speak Greek as their main language, not that they don't understand the Hebrew Aramaic language, but they speak uh, uh, the Greek language, and they're more Hellenized. And so the other Jews don't like them. They, they see themselves as uh, probably more superior than them because they're not you know, being full 100% Jews in their mind. So there's an, an issue, and apparently the widows of the Hellenistic Jews are being overlooked. That's not good. That is not good. And the daily serving of food. And there it's the church taking care of its own. As always, the church taking care of its own. Now, we ought to be helping out the best we can. I had a, a sermon just a, a couple of weeks ago on this about how it's good to have hospitals, it's good to have Christian schools, it's good to be taking care of the, the children, our orphans and widows, but take care of you know main things first. First, number one, we should be making disciples. Number two, taking care of the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then everything else comes later. 
and they're not the main thing. And we see that happening with the New Testament church as well, taking care of its own. So, verse 2, the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So the twelve, that's Matthias, he's number twelve. Paul is still Saul, you could say. He is not... uh, uh, been brought over to be an apostle at this point. So you got the 12. They're brought in. Uh, the congregation here is not ecclesia. This is the term for the multitude. He, they brought them together. And they said, look, uh, our job is to speak the word of God. We should not be neglecting that. We cannot be getting pulled into this in order to run these things. And I think that's probably what Satan was looking to do. I need, he's probably thinking, I need to distract the leaders, the preachers, the evangelists, the apostles, Get them doing other things so they're not focused on the main thing, which is what? The Word of God. Preaching and teaching. Discipleship. Making disciples, right? That's the main thing. And so Satan's thinking, if I can distract them, all right, I win. This is happening today. Preachers, evangelists are uh, under attack by Satan, and, and the attack is simple. Distractions. I'm going to fill you with so many other things to do. You will not be doing the main thing. You'll think you're doing the main thing, but you're not. If you think having a Christian school is fulfilling the Great Commission from Matthew 28, uh, Mark chapter 16, you're wrong. Your main mission is the Christian school with the hopes, secondary, of making disciples. You see what happened? The main mission becomes the second mission. That's what Satan wants. Do not do that. Do not get distracted from the goal here. So they're summoned. Not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Very true. That's, uh, that's right. Therefore, verse 3, Brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Good for them. Well, they're apostles. They know, right? And uh, so they are right to, to, do, to say this and, and to do these things. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to pick uh, among, from among yourselves seven men. This is the, the first qualification the congregation needs to pick up seven men. And that word men there is not the uh, anthropos word for humankind. It is the word for men or husband. So it's a man. That's the first qualification. But uh, let's also talk about how this plays out. How, how come the, the church, the, or not the church, I shouldn't say, the multitude of people are the ones to pick? Well, because they know. The elders, you could say, are the apostles. Or maybe there's not elders at this point yet. And so they have the congregation. A lot of people get frustrated because they think, well, it should be the preacher who picks because that's what Timothy and Titus did, right? And Paul did when he went out and selected the elders for them. There's reasonings for that. Uh, They had to do that because the people were not, I think, mature enough to make those choices. But also the preacher should be one of the members there, full of the Spirit. We'll get to that what that means in a moment, who understands and knows the word of God, full wisdom of God, and that they know the truth, and they can delineate that to the congregation in a way that they all understand. So I think, yeah, the the word of the preacher should carry some weight when you're selecting the leaders, even elders. 
But that preacher needs to understand that the preacher is not over the elders. The elders are not over the preacher. They are both playing the same role, and they are supposed to complement one another. That's a whole other lesson. We'll get to that at another time. So pick seven men. Why the number seven? Oh, it's a complete number, or it's God's will for man on earth. No, I think it's just a number of the amount of men they needed to get the job done. We shouldn't, I think, read more into that than we should. Uh, the next qualification, good reputation. They are respected by all, not just a segment of the people. Or don't, don't choose those. Well, this group, you know, the, the Hellenistic Jews really like them, so we'll pick their group of people. The, the uh, Hebrew widows, you pick the ones you want that are really like you, and that way everyone will get their guy in, right? That's the way we do it in the world, in our country. And, boy, that's working great. Nope. Because they work for the Democrats, or they work for the Republicans. They work for the Libertarians. They work for the Independent. They work for their group. We don't want that. It's not a Hellenistic group and a Hebrew group. It is the church, members of the body of Christ, one. And so those who are got a full big picture of reputation with the whole group, now we're going to pick those. Again, then they have full of the spirit. What does that mean? Well, again, commentators are generally on the idea that you know this is the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Or they're in, under the control of the Holy Spirit. There's even some who think it's the miraculous, which I don't believe that's true. I think this is full of the... Well, what is the spirit? If I told you... Uh, you know, if you wanted to know who I, who I was, you'd have to get to know me. You need to get to know my mind, all that I know, and then the way I make decisions on the things I say and the things I do and the things I eat or whatever. That's my spirit, my mind, and my heart. So if you had my spirit in you, you'd love Kentucky basketball. You would hate peas and corn. You'd love to eat deviled eggs. You'd have a, 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 all the same interests as me. If you want to have the spirit of Christ, that is, if you want to live life like Christ, you need to be full of his spirit. So these are men who are mature in Christ. They have really learned how to die to self and live for Christ. And if they have done that, then they are not going to play sides in this situation. They're going to be wise They're going to implement wisdom, and they have that wisdom because they're thinking and they're seeing things from God's perspective rather than their own perspective. That's smart. That's the kind of man you want. And so that's the wisdom side of this, the practical qualification for this task to be assigned. Caring for the needs of all and not just your group. And so, verse 4, the, uh, oh yeah, whom we may, that they say in verse Verse 3, whom we may put in charge of this task. Now, this is where we get the idea that these are the first deacons of the church. The akonos, that Greek term for deacon, uh, a servant, is not found in this passage, but I think it is implied. They put them in charge. Uh, The office of a deacon is just that. It's an office. Someone's placed in that. Now, there are lots of diakonoses in the church, uh, men and women. Yes, women too. If you have a woman who is teaching uh, the nursery class, the, the preschoolers, the elementary kids, which I, you probably do, because women do a better job than men do at that, then guess what? They're serving the church. That's a diaconus. 
Now, can they fill the office of a deacon? Some say no. I won't get into it, but I have my thoughts and opinions on that. But that's not the purpose of this lesson today. But a deacon is somebody who is serving the church. Here we have somebody fulfilling the office of deacon. They've been put in charge by the apostles to perform a certain task. We will see later on when the task is complete, it's over and they move on. So apparently, and we see it with Philip and Stephen when they move on and do other things and begin preaching and teaching. And so we'll see that. So there is a time when it comes to an end. Nowadays, we most of our deacons are put in the office and they're in there for life. <laughs> and but a lot of the things they are doing is because it needs to happen. But they also you need to put deacons in charge of a top of something that may have come to an end, and they are just there for a short time. And that's okay. But we we don't do that. And yeah, we got time. So and another thing on deacons. If you're a deacon, a preacher, or an elder, please, 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 if you have this in your mind, think hard on this. A deaconship is not a stepping stone to eldership. Okay? It's not. It is not. It's not to say that um, you know a deacon is not to be selected. I'm not saying that because they, they ought to be men who should be able to become elders one day. But don't view it as, well, we want this guy to be an elder one day, so let's put him into a deaconship. That's the wrong reason to put him into a deaconship. You put him into the deaconship because they're full of the mind and heart of Christ, and they are full of wisdom in that particular field that they can handle. But they may not make a good elder. So not everyone can be. Uh, also, uh, that it diminishes the idea of what a, a deaconship is. Um, and, and there's more to get into on that, but please don't, don't think that way. That, that, I think that's inappropriate of the purpose of a deaconship. Okay, uh, verse 5. Uh, verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there the, uh, the apostles are making it known. Satan, you're going to lose. We are not going to give in on this. We're not going to become distracted from our main mission of teaching the truth. Elders, if you, when we got a deacon selected, don't micromanage them. If you put someone in as a deacon, you put them there because you believe they can get the job done. They get to do it. They make those decisions in that case, okay? That's why you put them there. And if you think, well, I don't think they can, then they should have never been there in the first place. So you put them in there, you let them know, you're, you make the decisions on this. You're a servant to the church to deal with this problem. The, the, uh, uh, the apostles did not want to deal with this. They wanted them to deal with it. And they found men full of the Spirit and full of wisdom who could take care of the problem. You put in the right man, it'll get done. It'll get done the right way, the first time, God's way. And again, more could be said on that. Verse 5, the, sa- the statement found approval with the whole congregation, the multitude, all the disciples that were put to- brought together there. And so they went and they chose their seven. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip. Uh, I'm going to butcher the rest of these names. I should have looked it up. Uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Parmenius, or Pemenius, I don't know, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Let's look at these. So Stephen's mentioned first. He's going to come up in chapter 7. That's probably why Luke mentioned him first. He's going to be the main character in chapter 7. 
then you got Philip. He's going to be the main character after Stephen in the, the subsequent chapters. The rest of these men, we don't know who they are. Now, it has been noted by others that all of them have Greek names, and they're thinking, well, they, these must all be Hellenistic uh, Jews. No, no, because um, a- Andrew, is it Andrew and Philip? Yeah, Andrew and Philip, uh, the apostles, they're, they're Hebrew of Hebrews, right? But those are Greek names. And so just because they have Greek names, I think a lot of the uh, Jews had Greek names. doesn't mean anything. It's not one side or the other. They didn't choose all Hellenistic Jews. We cannot know that. I think they just, they just chose men in the uh, categories that the apostles set forth with those qualifications. That's all they did. And here, so they put these seven men uh, up front, the apostles, uh, uh, verse 6, and these he brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So they prayed. Now, the laying on of the hand, what does that mean? Were they giving them uh, spiritual gifts? Maybe. But it could also just mean that they are, it is a sign that they, have, they are there to fulfill this office. Uh, we, we do that here at North Valley. The elders will pray and lay their hands on the deacon and when they have selected a new deacon. And that's the way it ought to be done, I believe. Uh, but it, it could go either way. But I am assuming that uh, they're just laying their hands on in approval of the men and that they're fulfilling this office that they have appointed for them to take care of the widows uh, in, in these two, two uh, sections. Okay, verse 7. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Verse 7. So, climatic statement there regarding the growth of the church in, the, in God's kingdom. It, Satan fails again. I think he really wanted to distract the apostles from their work. didn't work. They, they kept on preaching and teaching. And there was no division within the church, as he was looking to do. A, that dual-pronged attack there, very effective today, I think. Very effective. A lot of people are uh, easily distracted. A lot of people are easily divided over the most simplest, ignorant things today. And the reason why, here's why. It's so easy to divide a congregation today because, number one, people do not know the truth. They don't have the Word of God in their minds and their hearts or not. They've never learned to die to self, live for Christ. And what that means is that you take off your old self and you put on Christ in the sense of how you think and how you reason. And you can only do that if you know what the Word of God is. And secondly, the leadership, the elders in the church, the preachers, uh, do not know the truth. And they are not full of spirit in the sense of they've taken on the mind and heart of Christ. They look at things from a worldly perspective. And when you have ignorance like that, division and distraction reigns. Division and distraction reigns. And that's what we are seeing a lot in the church today. And the only way, the only way to get out of that is to pick up the Bible every day, study it, to look for places where you're, you're, you're wrong. Or you need to correct, or you need to change the way you think to look more like Christ. And so if you do that today, but if you're here this, uh, this day watching the video or listening to the radio program, you're striving to change your heart. 
You do that by dying to self. Pick up your cross daily and follow him, Jesus. Remember when Jesus said that in Luke? That's what he means. Die to self, live for him. So when he's walking along, you're going to be right behind him. And when he stops and turns around, he sees you there, wherever he's at. And because you're going to do everything, you're going to do everything Christ does. So the word of God kept on spreading. And the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And and uh, and in a great many excuse me, in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Obedient to the faith. We'll get to that in a second. But the priests, the Levites, ah, that that must have really irked the Sanhedrin. I bet you they hated that. Remember that they just uh, told them, "You stop preaching." Gamaliel told them, "Don't worry, this will come to nothing." And they're looking out there in the temple every day, and there's the apostles. They keep preaching and teaching. Nothing's happening. I almost wonder if they had their own little spies listening in and watching them. Maybe they lost a few of them to the, the, the way, to the truth. And they're watching it. It's not, they're like, Gamaliel, it's not, it's not ending. Like you said, it's not, it's not coming to nothing. Like you said. Well, look at them. Oh, oh, wait a minute. There's a division. Let's see what happens. Oh, man, those apostles are too smart. Look at them. They're still growing. Gamaliel, you're wrong. You see, they're, they're just hoping it comes to nothing. They're not recognizing that God is with them. That's what that means. God's with them. And that's why they're growing. That's why they're exceeding all expectations. Because the world thinks it should fail, but they don't realize God's with them. They don't understand what that means. It runs against everything they know in this world about the way it should work. The way it works in the world, but the church does not and should not work that way. We're different. We look different. We act different because we are one mind in Christ if we've truly died to self and lived for him. Okay, so we're going to end out there. We're, we've got a few moments here. I want to take, take a moment to say uh, thank you for being here. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas for tomorrow. I, I hope uh, you have a great time. I hope you have an opportunity to be with family and friends and that you uh, take care of all that you have that the Lord's given you to redeem the time. What that means is to make the most of every opportunity afforded to you. And you have quite a few of those every day. And I pray and I hope that that's the, the case, that you are taking good, making good use of those things. So as we close out this program, and we pray for, for you that your word of God is truly implemented throughout your whole life, that you're taking on the spirit of Christ that you're dying to self daily and you're looking and striving to be that light and be that salt to a world, to a lost and dying world. And making disciples is the main focus, as it was for Christ, was for the apostles, and it ought to be for us today as well. Thank you. God bless. Merry Christmas. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.